start that again. So Mike Mitchell, hey, this is a, a number of coffee conversations. It's the afternoon and actually LaCroix is being drunk, so it's not really coffee. I'm here with Nathaniel Covington. This is a follow-up podcast. We're also live at Modfellows Gallery. So if you're watching this, you're also watching me do the number eight number of coffee conversations podcast series that I started with my pal Randy Purcell, who's also a visual artist here in Nashville. So Nathaniel, we're sitting in Modfellows Gallery. The show looks awesome. I was lucky in that just by bringing Joe to the skate shop, I could chat with you in the months running up to it. How are you feeling a week removed from the opening reception about your exhibit? Relieved. <laughs> that is the, the, the best way to describe it. Um, just because leading up, I was just kind of all over the place. As people see the stuff that I created, I didn't really have a direction for most of the time leading up to it, to the probably the last two months of, of work. Now that that relief, you've, ha- you've been able to experience that, how often does it typically take for you to then have some where the reflection kicks in about like, oh, I like these paintings or I don't like these paintings. I like these sculptures or I don't. Like, where does that kick in? Is it starting this week or is it will it still take a little bit longer? Because you're juggling like a full-time gig plus the work that I'm looking at is a full-time gig. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not like, oh, well, the work's half as good as you would, you know, like that's what you would expect from someone who has a full-time job. Like the work can't be like world-class level work because he has a full-time job. But it is. And so you're tired, you're stressed, yeah. there is the relief. Um, does that cl- click in with you or is it just like, oh man, it's on to the next thing because I've got this thing planned for the skate shop. I've got, I know that next week you're doing fall break for Metro National Public oh, yeah. School, so you're expecting this onslaught of kids coming into the skate shop. Yeah. Is there a time, do you build in time as an artist for that reflection to be like, oh, how do I get to the next thing? Or is that where Rich comes in? Is he your conscience on that? You've always spoken of very highly yeah. about like pushing you and encouraging you. And to me, in the best case scenario, like what a gallerist can do mm-hmm. is help you go, no, 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 you need to make 10 more of those. Yeah. That one's fun, keep it. But yeah. we don't need that anymore. You did it, right? Like, yeah. just curious. Uh, I think as far as the reflection time was very quick though, because I, I I was just creating stuff and I have a very small, like 550 square foot duplex that I live in. So I'm hiding this stuff all over the place. It's on mantles and and, in cupboards and everywhere. So I don't really look at it. And then the day, a couple days up to when the show opened, we're getting everything out, bringing it all over, setting out and looking at it, talking about how we want to hang stuff. And really just then is when I look at it and say, oh, I I hated that making it because I was trying to get a budget done. I was trying to get camps done during the summer, it may be, and so it's kind of rushing through it. But I think it, those those times kind of help. Uh, I don't know the motivation and emotion I put into each piece and how they came out, color-wise or whatever it may be. How rigid some of the sculptures are, um, as opposed to being smooth and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, so the reflection time, pretty quick on that. Uh, as far as that part of the question goes, um, I do like how everything came out. Once we got all hung up, I was really, really satisfied with it. And then, of course, Rich has been great about being the sounding board and saying, try this, try to do some of this, because he's so just well-versed and, and just has like such a long history in the art world that I am very much a process guy because of my job, because of being a skateboarder, and this is how you got to do things. This is how you do a kickflip. You have, you know, whatever it may be. You, you know how that stuff goes. So, uh, I, it's really, really great to have someone 
outside, outside of my own brain saying, maybe try this, stop doing uh, stuff on cut canvas, let's try frame stuff. Or if you tried to do freestanding sculptures instead of something you put on a little wooden block, like, I don't know that I would venture out of that sometimes mm -hmm. if it wasn't for Rich or even right. Irene, my partner, like mentioning stuff like that. But Rich for sure has had a huge impact on some of the direction I take um, with how I present some of the, the creatures and stuff that I make. First of all, it's kind of you to include me in your realm of skateboarding, yeah. but because um, it's just not anywhere near what <laughs> my ability is versus yours, or ever was. But I understood to you to say is that I understood what you're talking about in the relationship of the process of trying tricks. So, yeah. But it's very sweet of you. So I appreciate that. Um, speak. One thing I want to kind of dive back into real quick. So talk a little bit just about Irene and. You know, as someone who is your partner, mm -hmm. you know, 550 square feet is a third of the size of this space that we're in. Yeah. Is she like, hey, man, this stuff has to get out of here? Or is it much more like, oh, we live with this for a little while and it goes in. Like, what's that like? Because I know what my experience in yeah. having a 25-year partnership, really 30-year partnership awesome. with Wendy, um, married 25 years, but date, like the total is 30. Um you know, she's been, there are times when it can get to a point where it's like, hey, I love you and what you're up to, but this is not my bag. This yeah. is your bag. And now it's like leaning over on me and my leg and not allowing space. Yeah. What is that like as far as? Uh, I mean, she's, I could not ask for a more supportive person in my life for, for doing something like this. Um, I feel like I was very, I kept some of this part of my life, not that it was the art that I do is super weird or anything, but I just didn't really put it out there a lot until we started dating. And we've been together for five years now, and, and she's just been so supportive and pushing me to, to post stuff or really encouraging when I'm like, I don't know what this thing is that I make. And then she'll just like, just unload so many compliments and give good feedback and critiques and stuff on like, maybe you should try to do this. You're, she's like, your color, like, I would say bold colors is something that I definitely. It's like yeah. one of my signature things. <clears throat> Fantastic. Um, and, and to me, that's an interesting thing. I gave this talk once about really only thing that people need to be creative in this world is permission yeah. to do so. Yeah. And then when you get permission on top of like love mm -hmm. and uh, reinforcement and excitement, yeah. like then you start, you have that. So you have that from, from home, but then mm -hmm. also like Rich, talk a little bit about the sculptures, because I feel like they've progressed, and I don't mean, I'm not talking about skill, I just mean they're just moving to where it seems like there's more of them this time than there were last time. Am I wrong about that, or were there, or is, there, or is it just about that they're... There's probably at least a couple more than there were last time, and then really starting to venture out into like the UHF guy. Right, who like, plugs in, yeah. and, and like it's, you use the screen to be part of the visual image mm -hmm. of that. The blocks, was that your idea? Was that Rich's idea? All Rich. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of, and I think a lot of times people might, I don't know why they would, but I think that sometimes people can kind of be like bristle at that, but it just reminds me of an editor, right? Like mm -hmm. every great writer that we typically know either loved or hated an editor, but understood that that editor was pushing around yeah. these different kinds of ways in which to do things. Mm -hmm. And it's just rare that there's 
a writer that whose work gets out into the public that doesn't have an editor. Yeah. Like a trusted person or person <laughs> who, you know, all the books I read, like they're thinking like, hey, I'd like to thank my Monday night reading circle of the people that I like gave this to knowing that I could trust them and they wouldn't put it out in the world but we're able to kind of talk about it. Yeah. And so it's, it's always wild to me to think that people come in and just be like, every decision in here was made by me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, some people are very protective of their work, and anybody giving any critique, you know, they're immediately like shut down and stuff. But I'm someone that I love people kind of pushing me and asking questions and, and trying to get me to open up and try different things outside of just the. I would. I'm someone that would definitely get stuck in doing just same with skateboarding. I would get stuck in trying the exact same tricks, and it's like why you want other. You need to skate with people that are better than you, people that are different than you, and. Push sure. you in different directions. Yeah, all of a sudden you're skating next to someone and she's doing a kickflip in a way that you've never seen it. And you're yeah. like, oh, if I flick this way, I can, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I always make the joke. Um, I did something yesterday. Wendy and I were talking about giving our dog Lola a bath. And she was like, oh, I started sitting on the edge of the tub and put my legs in the tub. And it was so much easier. And I thought, I said, I would have washed that dog for a hundred million years. <laughs> like if you could have given me eternal life. Yeah. And once a week you have to wash the dog. I would have washed it the same way that I've always washed the dog, which is uncomfortable for me and yeah. the dog. And so I do think it's interesting that people can push in. Yeah. And that sometimes we have to be smarter than our own insecurities mm-hmm. to let people come in. But it sounds like you already had that built in. So you're like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, brick block that's a really great idea. Instead of yeah. a white pedestal or a pedestal at all. And then some of these are sitting... You know, like they're hiding behind, you know, so utilizing the staircase, you can't see it on the podcast, but there's a, a staircase and then some of the monsters are just peeking up over the ledge, yeah. which is really nice. That was all Rich's idea. <laughs> he actually had them like that whenever I walked in one day, which is pretty cool. The paintings are super, um, like, graphically, like, tight in the sense that the lines and the edges are really sharp. Mm-hmm. And on the sculptures, some of them are and some of them aren't. Is that a decision for you that you want them to feel a little bit more, a little looser, a little rougher, or is it a spot where you're still figuring out process? Um, I, well, so I started doing. Does that does the question make sense? Yeah. So the first show that we did, I mean, really, I was painting uh, like we talked before in the last podcast. I really started by doing large murals <laughs> in a skate park, and that's how me and Rich connected. Uh, was him seeing all the art that I was doing in there and asking me to be, you know open his uh, his gallery with him um or be the first show at the gallery but with even aside from that paper mache stuff is really what i really really want to learn to do and had uh someone named uh, ellie she's a friend of mine that helped kind of like figure out that process a little bit and then she's like just run with it figure out whatever you want like however you want that to be so i would i would would do a little research but really just sat at home and kind of fooled around and figured out what process worked for me and at that time, I wanted all of it to be smooth and then use different um, brush strokes or shapes that I'd paint on them to, to like bring out like the, I guess that more rough texture. But I was always trying to make just the paper mache itself smooth. And then Irene actually turned me on to, uh, to do, using something called paper mache clay, which is almost like concrete when it hards. It's not as hard as concrete, but it's it's fairly hard. It's a little more durable than paper mache just with newspaper and, and flour and water. 
and you can make it extremely smooth. Like we have this thing, the gelatinous cube over here, which people would know from Dungeons and Dragons, but you can make, I made him very, very smooth. Uh, and all it is is just like working with concrete. You're just continually smoothing it out with whatever you want to use as your, as your tool to do so. But I found that uh, most of the stuff I made, I, I just naturally started to make it more rough and let that, the, the, the paper mache clay just kind of just take on its natural form of just, it, it looks like uh, fluffy snow, but if you touch it, it's very rigid. And I think one of the first pieces I had made with it, I just didn't try to smooth it out very much and then painted and saw like how many of these crazy, just like weird stroke like uh, paint strokes could be all over it just because of the texture of the of it itself much of like what I want to do with how I add within my paintings I always will have like a base color and then go with a really rough brush to add crazy texture to it. and it's like oh my gosh you can do that so much easier with sculpture stuff so that became just naturally what I moved more towards is having that rough like hard edge feel to the to the paper mache stuff well, they feel real painterly in comparison to, like when I say painterly, I mean all that kind of nerd talk about painting, like the brush strokes and all those, yeah. whereas the paintings on the wall feel more graphic, like mm -hmm. graphic, like um, like old pop art yeah. or monster art, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's simply just a difference in that the quality doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. There's not yeah. a drop in the quality. It's not like... I can't believe he made those, yeah. but, you, but why didn't he just do that there? Yeah. Like it does seem to be a decision about surface, about texture, about mm -hmm. allowing that thing to be there. They're really great. And so I was just curious about, cause I could see there could be, or I should say, I'm wondering if you had to fight that urge to be like, these need to just be three dimensional versions of the painting yeah. as opposed to, allowing the material to be itself mm -hmm. and go, oh, how can this push me around? Yeah. And then the next, the kind of sub question on that is, have you started playing around with that paper mache stuff coming in on these canvases as surfaces? Um, the only thing I came close to doing that with, I have three paintings in here. They're just like three different kinds of masks that were based on Ben Cooper masks. Um, just like it was an old novelty Halloween company that would put out whatever movie or cartoon was around at the time or the classic monster. So I, I did three paintings of those and I did this weird like yellow uh, background to them. And so I, I started kind of fool around with, um, what's the name of the brand? Golden gels that you can add to painting, like to different, different styles of painting and stuff. So I use a little bit of that as some of the background to paint over to give them this real rough texture. And I really like that, but I didn't, because I kind of already had some idea of what some of these other guys were going to look like. I didn't want to utilize that here yet, but I would imagine now that this show is done and it's time to like kind of fool around and see what other areas I can go in, that'll probably be something I start to, to mess with a little bit more. Um, there's even, I use uh, the cutting mats. They're like the self-healing cutting mats, and that's pretty much what I work on to create everything, and they've built up these like crazy thick layers of... Uh, of super glue, hot glue, there's all kinds of materials stuck all over them to the point where if you tried to write something like your, even your name on a piece of paper, there's no way you could read what it says. And so even that's like one of those texture things where now I want to like use that almost like a canvas and then have a sculpture bursting through it like some kind of monster. It's just like one of those things to put up a frame. So starting to get into that realm of yeah, adding tech, more texture to the actual canvases. The images that... And there's, 
we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Are there 16 <laughs> paintings? Yeah, and these two are from uh, my last year that are up there on the... The two, so 14 yeah. new ones and then the additional. How do you decide on imagery when you're... Like, how much How much do you decide, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow from this particular concept? Or yeah. I know about these masks, this company. Yeah. And then how much of it do you... Is there a calculation for you, like the finger puppet little monsters? Those seem exactly like the ones I had when I was a kid. Oh, they are, yeah. But are, are they identical things, or are you changing them? I'm just curious about, um, like, I know the textures behind this one, which is, I love this. It's a, you know, this kind of turquoise guy with the purple throat, and he's got mm -hmm. the arms up, and then there's this really great yellow and kind of pink behind it. So I know that those designs yeah. are not something that existed, but they feel... Like seventies uh, comic, not uh, not comics, but like cartoons. So, yeah. where like, do you keep an image kind of bank list of like, oh, I'm going to do this swirly psychedelic background behind this green monster, mm -hmm. or does the painting just start coming to you? Uh, well, I know. So, like, just with the characters themselves, before even like getting into the backgrounds of them, I guess the like the jiggly monsters that you're talking about mm -hmm. they're definitely the one over here the the dragon one is definitely almost exactly what it was when it was created but the bat the jiggly bat version is there's a lot more to him than the little character that i have sitting at home on top of my radio which i was like man i would love to make one of those guys and so he i just added a whole bunch of different like he, they're obviously not furry or anything like that um he the, the dragon is pretty similar to the actual character and I changed them a little bit. I always want to have my own colors because those things were mass produced so they were usually just like blue or like a green but I wanted them to be super bright and crazy right. looking um, and then obviously with the, the backgrounds and the crazy jagged spirals and stuff coming off of them I think that's inspired by comic books, uh, creep show, the TV, like the movie and TV show. It's like a lot of those things used those to describe just the, the excitement or horror that were expressed by the characters or the monster, just to kind of, you know, that visual just really just surprise you or scare right. you. So I wanted to include that as well. Um, some of the stuff that I have up, there's just a plain background. Um, for the longest time, even with the murals that I would create, not uh, it's one of not my strong point to have like a lot going on. I usually focus really in on just the one thing and so there's not usually a lot going on in the backgrounds right. uh, but and then with the, the masks they're definitely a couple of them are pretty much like of the Frankenstein mask I mean that's been done probably a billion times but like the I guess like the, the devil mask or the bat mask there's a, definitely a, a new take on those and color like a different take with the colors I use and stuff as well um, and the backgrounds with them as well so um, there's there's definitely a placeholder in my mind from stuff that I had when I was little or my dad who collected a bunch of toys would have and I wanted to include some of that in my work. There's a connection there too, it seems like, in the way you're making art but also the way you're skating. We don't not do no complies just because Ray Barbie did them. Yes, exactly. Like they didn't come through the filter of our feet mm -hmm. and our um, like style or lack of style depending <laughs> on, you know, like, and so you know, skating in and of itself is that by mastering that, the hope is then that you're going to add something to it. Yeah. You know, like you then, because you trip and the board flips and then someone goes, oh, can you do that on purpose? And then, you know, like, and so 
the idea of like you know something being done before I think a lot of times people let that overwhelm them and they feel that you've got to somehow come and be like really inventive and, and really if we look back Warhol is the last person that's going to shake up the art world like an earthquake yeah it's just not going to happen anymore it can't yeah and so that's you know like if you look at that um, or and, and I'm sure there are a handful of people you might argue Edward Shea on the west coast did a similar thing and then in Paris, there may have been some people, but you're not going to walk into the art world and step on the kind of like a record player and the whole art world is going to turn to look at you like a scene yeah. in a movie. <laughs> yeah. And Dave Hickey, the great critic, says, you know, young artists think that they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then they get in there and he goes, and what we forget is the arts, this conversation that's been, if it, you think about art, the conversation of art as being this train that has been traveling since the Paleolithic or whatever cave paintings, whenever that time was, any of our people who are scientists can correct us on the in the comments about like which one I want. But if you go back thirty thousand to forty thousand years ago when people were starting to make work, like it's, art's been a conversation that's been happening, right? Mm -hmm. To get on that train and expect everyone to stop and listen to you, he's like, there's an ego in that that just doesn't isn't re any rooted in any kind of reality. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes. There's like this giant ability, like there's this like giant accomplishment of just adding something to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Like that's huge to be able to like just be in conversation with, um, you know, the, with Frida Kahlo. Like to be able to even say anything about painting that she didn't say, yeah. right? And just add this little like, oh, but what about this? And I think that that's an interesting thing that happens in skating. Like there's no reason to, if you looked at that and said, oh, well, I've got to do something different and radically change everything. Well, you know, Mark Gonzalez already did that. Like, yeah. you don't, like, he just exploded the world. So you don't really need to come in and explode the world. But he would be the first to argue, like, no, 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 I'd like to see how you tried that, right? Like, Andy's going to tap his board and go, like, whoa, I never would have done that background, that color. I would have done it this, you know, or I would have done this trick this way. I would have done it this way. And so to me, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Always at the goal of like, let's progress, let's push past this mm -hmm. with ideas, with your abilities, but like never like, I can't believe you would make a Frankenstein painting. Yeah. You know, like, because you're always pushing through to get to these different spots, which I think to me is like such a freeing idea, right? Is to say, oh, I'm not expecting you to just radically change my concept each time. Mm -hmm. I think it's enough to like hold ground and inch forward and like keep moving forward for yourself and everyone and then you'll eventually get to the spot of like oh I had these really I was able to say some things and yeah. I was able to like learn some things about myself and I was able to pull some other people along or advocate for them and so to me I think that's that's a much if you look at the world that way that can actually be much bigger than just being like hey make make a, uh, a huge stride inside of this specific technique of painting or sculpture, or yeah. performance, or music, or whatever those things are. Um, Dave Hickey also talks, has this idea about like museums are where art goes to die, and <laughs> you know, and he, and he really like, and, and I love this space. It's so nice, but it is a very like white, crisp space. Yeah, is that ever overwhelming to you? Of like, oh, I've got to. If I don't have enough, that space is going to win the battle. Probably, yeah. I, I probably, yeah, definitely feel that. I know the first show we did, all the paintings that I, I did for that were all like, they were four feet tall mm -hmm. or something like that. Or eight, like they were like six feet tall and like four feet wide. They were they were massive. Um, 
And I, I wanted to try to fill up every single square inch of the space. There was a giant table in here, like a table setting with, with paper mache stuff on it. And we had done all this back in here that looked like a den where I'd grown, grown up and some of that stuff had come out of. And even with the second show, same kind of thing. I just, I go overboard, <laughs> I guess. So yeah, definitely wanted to like really fill it up. But then some of it was just like you're just in the process and on the move that it was a little bit of that, but also just loving to create stuff. And until like I had my target date in mind where me and Ridge were like, we need to have stuff ready by. So we did October 2nd was the opening. And so somewhere around like the 24th or something, I needed to have everything done and ready to go. And so I just keep creating in the same, like almost um, whatever the theme for the show is, just keep mm-hmm. taking, like churning stuff out or whatever pops in my mind and just seeing where it goes. Um, so I think it was a little bit of both, but definitely when you walk in a space and for me, um, there's, big wanting, high, there's big high ceilings in here, yeah. which isn't your responsibility to fill up, but if it's empty, it probably feels a hundred feet tall yeah. instead of. 20 feet or 18 or whatever it is. Yeah, I just want to cover it completely in color. I just want everything to be super colorful. But it, and then when you really like stop and think about it and look at the walls, it's nice for there to be a lot of that white because if you just brought it and colored every single thing in here, there's so much that would get lost. Also, I think that a lot of times people can make the mistake of not trusting their work. And so mm-hmm. you get into this loss of this idea of like safety and numbers. Like, well, they can't say, I definitely do they that. can't say anything bad about my work if I have a hundred pieces. Yeah. <laughs> I but definitely. They, because then they'll just like, well, he's a hard worker and he made all. And so mm-hmm. like, but the ability to kind of like allow each painting to have a stage or a space to mm-hmm. be considered as its own thing means that you trust the work. Yeah. Right. Like. As in, like when I'm walking in as a viewer, and you know, viewers, and I'm not just talking about myself. I mean, I think all of us, um, I think we're the most sophisticated kind of culture of viewers that has ever existed mm-hmm. because of all the media that we consume. Now. Yeah, and I think we just naturally know how to think about visual stuff. I think most people don't know that. I think they're still scared of art galleries and think they don't know. But my yeah. argument is like going to the grocery store prepares you to come do this right <laughs> like you can you can see what's on the end cap you can see if it feels overwhelming you can see like all of those things right mm-hmm. and so but walking into this space it feels really nice talk a little bit about so there's there's um, in a lot of ways there's a there's a traditional like there's paintings on the walls and there's sculptures on the uh, floor um, and there are tags everywhere and then when you come around this little corner it looks like there's this little shop yeah. So talk a little bit about that weird things novelty shop. Is what yeah. It's called. So obviously the name of the show was weird things, and that just the idea of the name was like it's just a bunch of weird things. I couldn't figure out a theme for what all the stuff. It does go together. There's a bunch of creatures and stuff. It has that a lot of like the finger puppets and the witch's fingers and the masks have a novelty feel to it. So I was just like, it's, if it's going to happen around Halloween. Um, I just think back to the local hardware store that had its own. Little, I grew up in a town that was 1,200 people is the uh, population of Guthrie, Kentucky, and Longhurst General Store would all, would still have like a small section of, of Halloween stuff, the costumes and decorations and everything. And so through creating all of this stuff, and then of course like the Jiggly Dragon guy ends up being the kind of just like the main piece of the show. We thought that was the strongest one. Um, he's something I've been drawing for probably like even into the last show. I think I'd already drawn him quite a few times. It was just something that I... I love, and so uh, just kind of continued with that theme. So we wanted to have like a little novelty shop, and so 
the orange pegboard made sense. One for Halloween, and two pegboard. You know, uh, a small like mom and pop shop. That's kind of like the backdrop um, for a lot of how they would display different things, whether it be tools or groceries or toys for kids, whatever it may be. So we did some. I did some Halloween style masks. Um, we had the T-shirts on display, tote bags, and then uh, since I just work in retail, I always still think in that mindset of of uh, just whatever we might sell, whether it be stickers or wheels and stuff in the shop. Uh, I like to really look at packaging and stuff, and I I love action figures and stuff as a as a kid. So I made these little things called creepy crams, which come with a lot of little novelty toys in them. There's finger puppets in there. There's um like Dracula fangs. A bunch of different stuff, and then we even I even created some witches' fingers out of paper mache and some of the larger ones. So there was like deluxe creepy crams where you could uh, there's like original art even within the packaging. Of course, has my artwork on it. So it was just just something else to add that's a little different than just standard kind of art show style thing. So it's just like add another like little retail experience. And there's there are like some uh, since working at the skate park, there's a lot of kids that will hang out and draw in the skate shop with me and stuff and I wanted something if they showed up that they could like look at in a little different way and kind of maybe they are attracted to that at first and like oh this is cool it's something it's a toy it's something that I understand more than if someone spent hours upon hours painting something and put a lot of time in they understand that a little better than maybe this to begin with but it opens that door for them to understand like oh uh, stuff that I draw that could become a toy or something like you could sculpt into a toy one day or something can also end up on a canvas or being an actual sculpture or something in an art gallery. So that's where my mind went with that. <laughs> no, I think it's great. I also think it is part of the reason why I had, um, I, th I think I told Rich that, you know, it's just a really, there was a really uh, open and generous feeling at the exhibit, right? Mm -hmm. Like it felt, um, well, let's just be honest. I mean, you can be in spaces and there's just a pretense there mm -hmm. that like that you can, that's palpable mm -hmm. and and I don't think it's just that I know you well enough because I've also been in spaces with people I know well enough and the pretense is still there yeah <laughs> and it's not a judgment on it it's just that personally I don't like that yeah I, I don't think that you're better than me because you're a painter or not <laughs> better than me because you're not a painter I think that yeah. art is an activity that you and I happen to love to do mm -hmm. and I love to look at that and think about it but the idea that you're I'm somehow better than someone in my life who isn't an artist. I think there's a foolishness there that I just don't have time to tolerate in my life. Yeah. Of, like that doesn't make me a better person. Yeah. Creative. I think it makes me lucky and I feel grateful for it. And for me to turn that on someone just feels straight up evil. Yeah. Right? Like to be like, you know, because people walk into your show and they think like, man, I would love to be able to do this. And then to, 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 to then scoff and be like, yeah, I'm better than you. It just seems yeah. like, and I think that sometimes that can get away from people. And, and part of it, again, I don't think it's anyone's doing anything wrong. I just think sometimes the spaces can do that and, and the general feel of that. I didn't feel any of that here, which was mm -hmm. really nice. I've also been to some spaces that have all the right in the world to have that. Yeah. And they still don't have it. And so my brain's like, yeah, that's, I think I'm right <laughs> in this. I think that, you know, you have these like very, I've met very famous art critics and artist when I was in grad school at University of Memphis that would come through and just be, you know, Barbara Kruger's in textbooks and her work has been shown literally all over the world and she's in major collections everywhere and she couldn't have been more laid back and cool. Yeah. 
So if she can pull it off, like I think we're all supposed to be able to pull that off, right? Yeah. Like I don't think you're supposed to take the pose and it's like at the shop, right? Mm -hmm. Like pros come in and for the most part, like my experience is they're just lovely people. Yep. And they're super stoked and they wouldn't come to the park if they wanted to be there and be a prima donna. Yeah. They would have called you and said, can I come earlier before it's open or later when it's closed? Yeah, I haven't experienced it. And it just doesn't happen because they want to come and hang out and yeah. they want to do what you're talking about with the Weird Things Novelty Shop. They want kids to see themselves in them because yeah. someone did that for them. Yep. And so I just think that part of what's so cool about this space is that it does have all the authority of a quote-unquote art space. Mm -hmm. I'm looking around. The way the edges, it's as nice as the frist, mm -hmm. right? But it, but. And the frist, I think, does a pretty good job most of the time at like making it feel comfortable and cozy. You know, they, the kids are free from K to 12 until they're 18. Like they do a lot of uh, outreach. As part of that's because of Sean and the education department and Henderson and all those folks who work really hard to make sure kids feel welcome in that space. Mm -hmm. But you really have to be intentional. Otherwise, white spaces become a little snooty if you're not careful. It's yeah. almost by default. Yeah. And so. I'm curious, as somebody who is fairly new to work, you said you came from a town of 1,200, and maybe we talked about this in the other podcast, but, like, were there other artists that you knew? Like, did, did, did no. you... They were <laughs> very quick, hard, no. Not, right. not, not, I didn't experience any of that. And as there, like, does anyone now who's there, like, invited you back to speak to schools? Does anyone know? Is that something that you're not interested in because of what your relationship with, is with this the place like just that's a and maybe you want to say pass and we can cut this from the oh no no i so definitely there weren't to my knowledge there may have been right. like artists and stuff i just was unaware i was probably spending too much time on my skateboard or right. something um i've gone back and, and spoke at my mom's school she's an elementary school teacher uh at south todd or was at south todd now she's at north todd pretty small schools but uh they got rid of the art department a few years ago so there wasn't any reason for me to come back and talk about art stuff? It was about skateboarding. They wanted just to see. It was a. It was really. It was like a career day thing that I went and did a couple times. But uh, I did make sure to insert that I was not happy about there not being an art department being there anymore because I think it's a very valuable outlet for kids to, to have. You know, so. And technically illegal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, like it's in this. It's in this. It's in the like kind of. As a teacher, I mean, yeah. like you're supposed to teach kids art. Yeah, it's it's written in there. And I mean, I want. I think even a, a few of like the principal or vice principal even had sat in on me giving a presentation because I would do tricks and stuff. It was just something different than than some of the other people they had come in to speak. They would have like a farmer or you know a, a police officer, or whatever it might be. So it was very different than what they had had in the past because I was there for the skate park stuff. Um, but I wanted to make sure they knew like this is important because partial like half of my career within skateboarding is art is a big part of that even though i really didn't open up and start doing it in this way until very very recently it still played a big part because when you skate you look at all the all the different skateboard graphics and all the different marketing and stuff like all that is part of it mm -hmm. um and so i wanted to share that it's very valuable for kids to have more than, than just the math and science stuff which of course is all so important but Art needed to be a part of it too, but all that back to the original question. Then I didn't really know any artists, and it, that wasn't really a thing outside of kind of doing my own research until I moved to Nashville and started going to some of the art crawls and stuff. And even then, I didn't really understand 
understand it. I need right, like, how do they do this? Like, yeah. How, yeah. How would one make 14 paintings? Yeah, that was sculptures like, what, and, how do you define yourself as an artist? So for a long time, I was like, I'm not an artist. They're so like, oh, you draw and you paint and stuff, you're an artist. And I was like, no. I was like, I don't know what it means to be an artist, but I'm not that. I always guess that it was like, if you made money off it, that's how you were an artist. But that's clearly not... <laughs> Not the correct answer. So I'll tell you something sweet, but also I think it's just something that is really, it was a very interesting and astute observation. And I had not quite put it together in a way that was as um, kind of poignant as this. So Joey, who's 14, we're leaving and he goes, man, he goes, uh, so what do you think? Because he, he had, there was a, another very famous artist in Nashville. There's a very famous artist showing in Nashville the same night that your show was mm-hmm. that I really would like to have gone to see. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then uh, and it, it's Wayne White. I mean, yeah. like, there's no, Joey didn't say anything disparaging about Wayne White, and then who I don't know at all, but was excited to go see it. And we'll go see the show at the Julia Martin Gallery. And then my friend Joe Christie was showing at the Open Gallery, which is in the packing and I really wanted to go see both of those shows. Yeah. But when he was out of town and I'm like, I'm not making him. I'd already pulled him to the Ryman in the middle of the week. And then he wanted to come to your show. But I said, hey, you know, there's going to be music at this other show. And I'd love to see Joe. But no worries. And he goes, yeah. yeah, I don't really like going to art shows. So as an art educator and an artist, you know, like there's a, a little bit of that was just like, and which was fine because yeah. I like I totally get it. Like I really do get it because mm-hmm. I get it. Like, the pretense of what we talk the kids feel that stuff, and yeah. so he maybe has felt that before. So, mm-hmm. so we're leaving, and I go, "What do you think of the show?" He goes, oh, "I think it was really great. I really, I really liked being there." You know, and I said, "Cool." And he goes, "Yeah, man. Um, I really like uh, you know Nathaniel. Like had on that like like that." He looked really cool. He had that. He goes and he goes. Um, he goes. Here's. He goes. How does he? How does his like skating and his artwork and like his fashion like fit his personality? Because he like kind of skates like who he is. Yeah. And he makes art kind of like how he skates. Huh. And he and he like he's a person like both of those like how do like it's really interesting isn't it and i'm like man this kid is 14 like that's a pretty cool observation and so we started unpacking that a little bit i didn't bother saying you know you're doing the thing you say you hate which is going to this space and then getting really deep into what things mean but he was doing it because this space didn't feel like it was making him do that Mm -hmm. instead this space occasioned him an opportunity to really think deeply about something that's you don't often do. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because like his fashion, his style is like really, really cool, but like it's really, it's really focused. Yeah. And he's really a measured person. I'm learning like there are times when I come into the shop and you're like drawing and I'm like, oh yeah, I probably just shouldn't bug him. He's in the mood <laughs> to draw. I'm like, Always bug me, please. No, but I'm just saying like, I, I, I was starting to, like, I was in real time going like, yeah, like he's, he's like a skater, but also like he's managing this space. Like he doesn't have the liberty to just be like punk rock. I don't care about anything. Yeah. Like, and, and then I, so it, I, it really started making me go like, that's really interesting. Like he, he does skate, like he paints and he does paint like he's a person. Like he, like 
there's all this color, but there's also this control, but then there's also a little bit of this wildness. And there's yeah. also, and so I just thought it was so cool that that hit him that way. And so the question I have for you is like, you've had to have over the course of these shows, had people say stuff to you that would have never happened without you making paintings or sculpture. Like what are some of those things? Or is there a thing that you feel would like feel comfortable sharing? Like, does that make sense? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, or maybe a better question is what is making paintings and sculpture and like really thinking about yourself in an artist what has that allowed you to do now that you're going and seeing other shows does it allow you to see them in different ways and ask questions in different ways yeah I think I think easy one is now that I have like I really there I've created a certain process for each Way, like the way I do paintings, the way I do sculptures, whatever it might be, and then put the whole show together. Um, whereas before, you'd kind of walk into a gallery or if it's an art museum, whatever it may be, and if there's like that, you know, someone's, someone's whole life work and it's just bits and pieces right. from different shows they may have had over the course of time, uh, you really start to ask those questions. I wonder what was going on in their life mm -hmm. when they got to that certain, what, to that certain like two or three paintings that were from this year. Um, or what was the process to from this painting that was in, I don't know, 1980 to 2021, like there's, they're so different or they're exactly the same. Right. What, like what I really start to question like about the artist's life rather than just looking at the piece and like, that's cool. That's awesome. Like, this is what it, I feel like it means to me. Right. But then you're like, really start to question what it meant to them and just that whole side of it. It's, it's, my experience with that is it's funny, like the ability to walk into a space and not just be overwhelmed by mm -hmm. the luster of it all. And yeah. then just ask them really nuts and bolts, like, how did they do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that that's not a like, why did they do that? Like, you know, I'll never unpack Jean-Michel Basquiat's like body of work. Mm -hmm. That's a, something that I'm going to think about for the rest of my life. Right, like I'll just think about like I to to try to sit there in front of a painting and go. I think it means. I mean, I could say what I think it meant in that moment, but like to me, I've learned there's that's a fool's errand to try to figure that out yeah. now. But instead, I'm like I've decided to live with that question just for the rest of my life. Right, like to talk about like what Frida Kahlo like to because just because I read that big book to think I know what that works about. It'll change as I become 47 and 48 and 49. Like I'm learning that. Yeah. But I can look at the work and go, damn, how did she do that thing? Yeah, I get so close to that line that I, you can be in when it comes to a museum. Yeah, if I can lean around and see how somebody put something on the wall yeah. and be like, I think they're using drywall anchor. You know, like, and there's something about that that allows, it seems like allows me to go, well, if I'm just looking at the outward effect, then I'll, I'll just, like, you know, my brother said when he saw uh, – Chris Thiele's How to Grow a Band, that documentary, mm -hmm. The Mandolin Player. He's like, it made me want to go home and just smash my fingers with a hammer. Like, yeah. I should never play a, a stringed <laughs> instrument again. But if you watch the whole documentary, you can see him going through the process of having awkward things with this person, this person. And so it's all about building a band. And you're like, well, I know that I can build a band too. Like, yeah. I can have a look. And so there's something about me is like when I see work that can feel real overwhelming, I try to find a practical thing. Because I'm like, well, I need to get something from this work besides the fact that I don't ever want to make work again because I yeah. feel like that I'm not worthy, mm -hmm. right? And you can do that with skating as well, right? Like you can yeah. see Sky Brown and go, well, she, 
what? She's wise father at this point. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be eight times as good in two years, and she's going to be thirty-two times as good. Like she's going to be good the way microchips keep getting the processing speed. Like it's not like it's just going to be one better than last year. Yeah. It's going to be compounded, oh, right? And so. But if I can look and watch her and go, I liked the way that afterwards she was humble when everybody on the, the deck was like losing their mind that yep. she didn't get caught up in herself. Oh, I can learn something there. Because I can't learn anything from the 540 she did over a gap. I will never do that. I couldn't have done it before I was this age. Or, but, if you, but if you look at it, so it's like there's something about the leaning around the edge and going like, I think I see duct tape behind me. Yeah. Oh, they're piecing stuff together. There's something about that that's really hopeful to me, but also just practical. Like, i got to get some. And then from there, I can go, okay, I've got the thing that's going to make my work better. I can just get overwhelmed by this Kara Walker exhibit. Now. Yeah. I can just let it just flow over me, and I can just see the thing. Yeah. Um, that's definitely my my thing is to is always process. I love the more than just stepping back and finishing the Zorn guy back behind you is just like sitting back, oh, I like how I turned out. I don't even take a moment to do that. It's usually just like I'm all about getting it done, not like in the sense of I want to be done with it, but just I love the process of, of creating everything that I have and figuring out how to take that, and that's the building block for the next thing. And so when I go to shows, I'm really close up on the stuff. To, that's what concerns me more than if something – Usually, like it's of course it's going to be awesome looking that whatever the artists have created, but more so just like how did they get there? What did they do first? And seeing if I could figure out what that equation is. It also holds me to the work yeah. more because like if I allow myself to look at it both like really just objectively, like this is a thing on the wall. <laughs> I'm not overwhelmed by who the person is, yep. they're famous or whatever the yeah. thing is. If I can just look at it like I've done this before too, I've put a painting on the wall. Let me look at some things. Let me see, and then step back and go like, "Oh wow, this is I'm getting to see one of the great painters." I can let myself, you know, fan out. Yeah, it keeps me at the painting more. If I only come to the painting and don't say, "Well, I could do this" or "I've done this before," mm -hmm. I find myself not looking at it that well. Yeah, right. And there's something about like you know, it's like staring at the sun, right? It's not yeah. a, it's not a good idea. But if I can like allow my my practical brain to be part of the conversation instead of just my emotional brain that you're sitting at work. It also just makes me look at the work more and think about it. Yeah. Um, because I usually will snap a picture if it's allowed in the space mm -hmm. so that I can then go back and look because it's just it's too overwhelming for me to see all that at once. Yeah, I mean, I went to the did you go to the Eric Carl exhibit they mm -hmm. had at the Frisk? Oh man, because they just had so much of his work and really his process was all there too, right. all the different stuff they had brought in and he, I, from a kid, without realizing, studied his work, right. how he did all that. I mean, that's probably, there's some of that in the sculptures and stuff I create. A little more scary at times than right. what he created, but he is someone I could definitely point to that, say, was like a big inspiration influence and just getting to see his process and being that close to it was just like one of the coolest things of all time. I love it that you mentioned someone like him, yeah. who I would never have thought about in relationship to your work. Really? <laughs> yeah. But it's a little different. But the idea of you know uh, of understanding that like influences come from everywhere. Yeah, right? Stan Winston, Tom Savini are like two like crazy special effects artists, and the blood like he was known as like what is, it's like the the Baron of Blood or something right. what they called Tom Savini. But then it's like oh yeah, by the way, Eric Carl, Carl's on this side. Yeah. Both of those influence making any one of these pieces in here.
Well, and it's like, I like Eddie Murphy who made fun of Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy loved Mr. Rogers. Because yep. it's in the, docu- <laughs> the documentary when he says he saw Eddie yeah. Murphy like fanned out. was like, the real Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And like, they hugged. And it was like, I loved uh-huh. that, but there was this, this moment of like, but it does, there's the, like, we are these dualities, right? Like, we do live on these spectrums. And so why wouldn't Eric Carl's work come into your work? And yep. why wouldn't the Baron of Blood's work come into your work? <laughs> All right, so, um, man, thank you so much for chatting. The yeah. work looks fantastic. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to, like, linger with it a little bit more. Um, you'd said you wanted to re- you needed to record a podcast. Tell everyone what your podcast is and how they can hear it. Um, it's called Anyone Can Die. It's a horror podcast, and it's uh, me and my friend Kenny grew up skating together. Uh, we just love Halloween, spooky movies, horror, both, like, it could be – G to R-rated horror, so it's all over the place, so it's not too heavy. We try to keep it light and keep it positive and fun. Um, it's on, I think, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, like the the Apple podcast. It's all over the place. And it's really just us goofing around and having fun, talking about movies and things that people may not know about it, how it seems like how George Romero, Stephen King, and John Carpenter are somehow connected to every single horror movie, and sometimes every movie you've ever seen somehow they're connected to all of them. So oh, that's, that's it, uh, like, we didn't mean for that to happen, but that ends up being a common theme in the way what we talk about on there. Yeah, I mean, we almost never know what we're going to find when we go look at it. Yep. Like, and if you're open to it, right, yeah. things come our way. Well, man, thank you so much. Modfellows Art Gallery is open Tuesday through Saturday from, from 11 to 5. It's such a wonderful space. We'd, I just really would encourage you to come to check out Nathaniel's exhibit. Also, look for future exhibits. I know some of the other artists that are showing here, and Rich is uh, doing a, a really excellent job of being really mindful at um, having a breadth of both styles of work, uh, artists, different levels of artists as far as like how long they've been making art. It's just a really, really cool space in Nashville, um, and hopefully you Check it out. Thanks for listening to another episode of A Number of Coffee Conversations. Nathaniel, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks to Rich and everybody that's gotten to this point. Thanks, guys.